Welcome to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast, a Canadian real estate podcast that shows you how to pay off your mortgage sooner and live well while doing it. Now, here's your host, Sean Cooper. Welcome to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast. I'm Sean Cooper, and it's great to be back for another episode. On today's show, I'll be talking to Anna Belov. Anna's episode is the latest in a series of podcast shows on women in real estate. In the coming weeks, I'll be interviewing successful female real estate investors to help encourage and inspire more women to get into real estate. Anna Belov is a successful investor with a cash-positive real estate portfolio in Ontario, Canada. When Anna and her husband both lost their jobs in 2012, they were determined to take control of the situation and build a safety net for the future so that they would never have to worry about living from paycheck to paycheck. In under five years, Anna acquired 20 rental units while working full-time and being a mom of three. Anna is the author of the book, Just Over Broke, How to Invest in Assets and Eliminate Liabilities, The Sincere Canadian Blueprint to Escaping Paycheck to Paycheck Life. In my interview with Anna, we discuss how she went from being broke to owning 20 rental units, investing mistakes she's made along the way, and how she got past them, and strategies for someone who's starting to invest in real estate today. Without further ado, here's my interview with Anna Belov. Hi, Anna. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you, Sean. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Looking forward to a really interesting discussion on real estate today. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Great. Well, let's get started. Could you please tell us your story? How did you begin investing in real estate and what does your portfolio look like today? Sure. I am a very typical Canadian. Started working about 15 years ago. I was self-employed and I was an IT programmer. At that time, I had no idea that there was even a choice to be financially free. I was planning to retire in 30, 40, 50 years. However, in 2012, I had become a severe workaholic. I had a small consulting business, worked really long hours. Sometimes I would be at the office at 3 or 4 a.m. in the morning before other people showed up, and it didn't work. Emails kept piling up, and I stayed late. And the biggest issue with that was I thought this was a normal way to work. And at the time, my goal was to be a successful career woman. And my parents always told me that to be successful, you had to work hard. So eventually, I convinced myself that if I slow down, then my business would all fall apart. So I kept going. And long story short, I got so exhausted, so stressed, and so depressed that I had to shut that business down. And at about the same time, my husband lost his job as well. He was working for a small startup, and they went out of business. So suddenly, our worst fears became real because we had no income. We quickly maxed out all our credit cards. 
lenders started calling and we didn't know how would pay for the next mortgage payment. We had a ton of ongoing expenses and I was actually afraid to go back and work because I thought I'd be that same 24-7 type of person again. So that was the wake-up call. And at the time, my husband and I figured we're going to go and get the new jobs. And that's what we did. But we also made a really important decision. We decided that we never, ever in our future want to face the same horrible financial and emotional crisis again for our family. So we decided to start learning how to make money in a different way so that we could secure our future and so we could have a safety net for our needs and our kids down the road. So we started learning and we attended a course about real estate investing. And what we learned there was that theoretically, if you buy a real estate property correctly, you would gain about $200 of passive income per month. And that's when we got super excited. And that's when we figured that we really wanted to have 50 of those. So our math was pretty simple. We did 50 times 200, $10,000. Sounded so great. So we started on that. And now if you fast forward five and a half years later is our today. And we own 20 rental units. Our portfolio is a mix of townhouses, duplexes, and triplexes. It's cash positive, and on average, we do make the 200 bucks per month per unit, and that's the story so far. Wow, what a remarkable story, and to hear your journey from being perhaps a bit of a workaholic to owning all those properties, it's quite an interesting story, so thanks so much for sharing that with me. Now, you mentioned in your own personal story, money can be a major stress factor, and for a lot of Canadians, it is survey after survey shows that many people think they don't have the means to save, let alone invest. How did you go from being broke to owning 20 rental units? The way we turned things around was first, we made a decision to cut our spending in half. So when we started working again, instead of spending both of our paychecks, we spent money from one and we saved the other one. And our mindset and focus started shifting on becoming financially free and decreasing expenses and liabilities. And then letting go of those old habits of spending became actually rewarding and we started having fun with it. So in the beginning, it was a drastic change to our lifestyle. We wouldn't go to eat out or we didn't shop anymore. We didn't buy expensive gifts, but over time, it's all paid off. But as we were doing that, we worked out the numbers and we figured that if we kept working for about 25 more years, and we kept our fairly well-paid jobs, lived frugally, saved half of our pay stubs, then maybe eventually we would save enough to retire on. And that was daunting for us. Uh, we thought it sounded too hard, too long, that we didn't have the energy to keep going for 25 years, working, saving, working, saving. So that's when we realized we needed additional streams of income, not just the savings part. And the good news was that our biggest liability at the time was credit cards. And as we were paying them down, our credit score went up. So now the lenders started contacting us, offering the money. They would give us more credit cards 
more credit room, send us 0% interest rate offer, which is basically free money for six to 12 months. And those pieces of money added up to being enough for renovations, closing costs, and even some of the down payments. Another thing we realized was the concept of equity and leverage. We first became homeowners back in 2001, but then we refinanced our house twice in the first 10 years, and we just spent the money on silly things. So 10 years later, our mortgage was a lot larger than what we started with when we got the house, but luckily, we still had some equity inside of the house. So if somebody doesn't know, I want to clarify that equity is the difference between the market price and the mortgage balance. If you were to sell the house, your gain before taxes and closing costs would equal the equity. And what we learned is we could leverage, meaning borrow against that equity in our house, and that gave us an opportunity to use other people's money. And the third time we refinanced our house, we actually used the money to invest in several properties. The last thing we figured out with time was that there is a snowball effect. So our new investment properties started accumulating equity for us inside themselves as well. And that was because now our tenants were paying down our mortgages and the market kept going up. So equity kept growing. What happened is we used two of our new investment properties to refinance and leverage three years after we started. And we repeated, we said asset plus time equals equity and equity plus leverage gave us a few more properties. And that's how we grew it. Wow, so many great pieces of advice. And thank you again for sharing that. I mean, I think you've taught our audience a lot of lessons with that. So thanks so much. Now, we all make mistakes when we start doing something new. Can you share a couple of investing mistakes you made and how you got past them? I think my two biggest mistakes, sometimes I still make them, are bad math, mathematics, and procrastination. So what I mean by bad math is the calculation that goes into telling you whether a property you're buying is an asset or a liability. When I acquire a property, I need to know what the rent will be that I'll be able to collect, and I need to subtract all the expenses I'll be paying. For example, utilities, property taxes, insurance, financing, garden care, snow care, and so forth. When we started investing, in our first year, we set an ambitious goal to acquire 10 rental units. And we rushed, and we got ourselves a sixplex. And when we were doing the math for that property, we got almost every number wrong on it. For instance, we underestimated the cost of utilities because we thought the utility bills were for the entire building, but they were actually just for the common area. So we missed utilities for six apartments. And naturally, the property became a huge liability, and it was eating cash every month, and it was quite stressful. At the time, we worked with a money coach, and he told us that, guys, slow down and do some cherry picking. Keep the good properties and get rid of the bad ones. And he also taught us that it is as important to get good deals as it is not to get the bad ones. 
we sold the six flags a year and a half later and we broke even on it because fortunately the market increased but since then we're paying tremendous attention to every number and we do very thorough due diligence on all of the new properties and we triple check income and expenses and then the second mistake is procrastination what i mean here is that however small an action item or an issue is it should be addressed as quickly as possible for example during that same first year of investing one time our tenant called us and she said i'm worried because i'm hearing a sound of a water drop behind my shower so my husband went to the house he investigated and he came back and said yeah i hear the water drop as well behind the wall so he and i discussed it and we thought yeah there is a drop but it's pretty small we're going to deal with it later and we had the whole six flex situation going on at the same time so we figured this drop can wait but two days later the tenant calls us again and now she says that the water is rising at rapid speeds above her floor and when she woke up in the morning it was ankle deep we hired a plumber and we fixed it we dealt with it but it was a lot more expensive than it would have been if i called the plumber on the first day when she called so since then <laughs> we do two things we listen very very carefully to what our tenants are telling us and we react as quickly as we can even if we can't fix the issue we try to make an improvement before we get flooded with bigger costly problems and what we learned there was that small things matter and issues and costs add up unless you deal with them wow those were quite remarkable stories i mean i think it's a homeowner's worst nightmare to have their basement flooded yeah certainly <laughs> hindsight is 2020 i'm sure the next time when your tenant calls you up and says that there's a bit of water leaking you're going to have your plumber on speed dial that's for sure and important that whether you have electricians or plumbers, basically tradespeople you can call on within a moment's notice because you never know when an issue is going to come up. Yeah, for sure. Great. Well, I'm a big proponent of burning your mortgage and being mortgage-free as fast as possible. I'm curious, how can you sleep at night with the amount of debt that you had taken on to build your portfolio? And can you elaborate? Yes. Getting in debt is a big part of it. I can definitely say that I'm all for paying off um, mortgage quick and I really agree with your approach and ideas because I think that's what can save people thousands of dollars and years of time and expedite their wealth. And the reason I can still take mortgages for my properties and sleep well at night is because I use two principles. The first one goes back to the definitions. I never confuse, to the best of my abilities, assets and liabilities. And I use the street definitions, the ones that are coming from Robert Kiyosaki's rich debt, poor debt teaching, not the accounting, not the traditional definitions. To me, an asset gives me an additional stream of income and the liability has an ongoing cost that I have to pay. For instance, my personal home residence is a liability and not an asset because it consumes my money. So my first principle is that I don't borrow money 
to acquire new liabilities. I stay as far away as I can from that. And then by definition, when I borrow money to acquire an asset rather than a liability, and as long as I do my math correctly, I'm safe and I build in cushion space to stay safe in terms of changes and rate changes, things like that, and I stay cash positive. So there is minimal risk behind taking that mortgage. And then my second principle, I call it the oxygen mass. When you go on an airplane and they tell you that in case of issues with the air pressure, you have to put on your oxygen mask first before you help others, because if you pass out, you're not going to help a child that sits next to you. That's the same principle I use with all my investing and actually my day-to-day life. For example, I used to feel really bad when I was supposed to send out rent increase letters to my tenants or when I had to tell them, excuse me, you're late with your rent, can you please pay? I thought for some reason that I'd hurt their feelings and they'll leave the property, I'll lose a good tenant, things like that. Well, now I look at that differently because rent is my oxygen mask. If I let my cost exceed my income, I wouldn't be able to keep my property because my cash flow adds up when it's negative and you multiply it by 20 times and by 12 months, that's when I would lose sleep. But if I keep it positive, then I'm okay. I'm safe. And I keep my tenants safe because I won't have to sell off the property super fast and make them homeless. So this is why my second way to offset the risk is to make sure that I do all my day-to-day property management as flawlessly as possible so that the income comes in and the expenses get paid and I have as few surprises as I can with this. Yes, that sounds like definitely a good way to go about real estate investing. You shared a lot of great information on the podcast today, but for somebody that's just looking at starting out in real estate investing, can you provide some advice and recap your strategy for them? My strategy is called buy and hold residential real estate, and it consists of three steps. Step one, I eliminate liabilities, and that lets me keep more of the money I earn from my paycheck because a liability is any decision or commitment that you made in the past that costs you your time, your money, your energy, or anything else on an ongoing basis. I iterate and I look for ways to decrease liabilities. I track every penny that I spend and I get rid of all the costs that I don't need. The second step is I acquire assets which put money into my pocket and that creates little streams of income. And my approach is to primarily look at real estate assets and I always make sure that I do due diligence to assess the amount of income or rent I'm going to get and then subtract all of the expenses. And I look in the areas where people want to live and where there are jobs and schools and infrastructure. So there is very little chance that the market is going to go down. And then the third step, I keep repeating and I keep fine-tuning. So every day, I look for ways to increase the value of each of the properties and increase the income from the assets. And every day, I look for ways to decrease my costs and my liabilities. And then again, 
all the time I keep thinking, how can I grow the number of assets in the future? What do I need to do next? What's my next step? So down the road, I can add one more asset to my portfolio. And if I keep repeating and if I keep improving one thing at a time, then eventually income from assets will be enough to cover my needs and my family needs. And that's when I will be financially independent. Well, Anna, you've shared so many actionable tips and words of wisdom today. So I really appreciate it. It's been great having you on the show. Before I let you go, is there anything of interest that you're working on that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yes, thank you, Sean. It was a pleasure being here. And I want to share my most recent project. I just published a book. It came out last month. And I'm offering a free downloadable version of the book. The book is focused on helping busy Canadians jump out of paycheck to paycheck lifestyle, become financially and emotionally stronger and richer and happier. So if you're interested, you can go to www.justoverbroke.ca and put in your email to get a free downloadable copy. So it's just, J-U-S-T, over, O-V-E-R, broke, B-R-O-K-E, dot C-A. Great. Sounds like a very interesting and helpful book. I mean, you shared so much helpful information with us today. So certainly encourage all the listeners to check it out. And I will include a link in the show notes. Great. Thanks very much for being on the show, Anna. Thank you, Sean. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Burn Your Mortgage podcast. Besides being a podcast host, I'm also an independent mortgage broker. If you or anyone you know, family, friends, co-workers, or neighbors could ever use any unbiased mortgage advice or a second opinion, feel free to reach out. Email me at sean, that's S-E-A-N, at burnyourmortgage.ca or call or text me at 647-867-3711 for a free mortgage consultation. Also, be sure to head on over to www.burnyourmortgage.ca and sign up for my free weekly newsletter. As a small token of my appreciation, you'll be able to download my ultimate mortgage checklist on choosing the perfect mortgage. I look forward to hearing from you and helping you with all your mortgage needs. Once again, Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a rating. Until next time, happy mortgage burning.